Hey there, misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horrorwood. I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, you've been out of town for a while. Yeah, and it's been exhausting. (laughs) You went to Springsteen, yes? I did. How was it? It was great. It was awesome. Uh, That was the night after we got back, Mm, so I was really tired. But it was super fun, and we went with Matt's boss and his wife, and yeah, it was good. I... I'm not a big like concert person. Sure. There's a lot of screaming. It's loud. Mm-hmm. I'm old. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But we had great seats and we had the entire ro- the whole row to ourselves because it was just a row of four. Wow. So we didn't have to like oh, step good. over. But that like made a huge difference, That's honestly. Nice. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Bruce. I always wish we could sit and watch concerts. Right? Why do like, we have to stand? Like, I just, I get getting up and the energy and having yes. fun and dancing and singing and woo. I don't know why I did that, but can't we just like collectively sit down with each other and just watch a concert <laughs> right. and feel excited like We're inside? on the inside. Yeah. We're at that age. And the thing is, I will say, Bruce's fan base is also at that age, so people were sitting people were down. were sitting, oh, damn. Which was really nice. Maybe I should be into, I mean, all the pop concerts I go to are just like... Yeah, you because you went to Lala. I did go to Lala. How was it? It was an experience. I would never, ever, ever want to go to Lala. I would be of that mindset as well, Kate. I've been to festivals before, and I haven't enjoyed them. Yeah. It's a lot of people. It's, it's hot. People. And didn't it rain? It rained Ugh, all day. Gross. I didn't know it was going to rain because the forecast didn't say rain. So Ugh. I didn't bring anything. Oh, I just had shit. a hoodie and it was soaking wet the whole time. Ugh. But it was muddy. There were thousands of people there. None I of will this say, sounds exciting. No, there, the food booth setup was kind of cool. There were a lot of different restaurants that had booths there. So you could get some really good food. They gave you a wristband, and the wristband you could put your debit card or Venmo on, and you just tap oh. it to the whatever, wherever you wanted to like. Technology. It was kind of cool. I did like that, but I was there to see Rina Sawayama, mm-hmm. who's a British Japanese singer. Cool. And I love her music, and I keep missing her when she comes through Chicago. So I went to see her set at Lala, and she was amazing. She had a really big awesome. crowd. Oh, good. Um, which I was excited about. And I really loved it. But then Lana Del Rey was the performer after her. So I bought the ticket because I was like, oh, I'll see Rena. And then I like Lana Del Rey. I wouldn't mind seeing her live. Yeah. But once Rena got off the stage, there was just a rush. Oh, my goodness. Like from people standing there, like starting to rush into the stage to be close. And I was like, no. And so I I literally had to like body slam people out of the way. No. But then I just, I went way far back and I I sat down on the ground Mm -hmm. and like listened to her. And that was nice. Good. I love you, Rena Sawayama. He loves you. But (laughs) she's definitely not. But people that are listening are our 
wonderful misfits out there. Yes, misfits. And it is pre pre October, which means that <sighs> I just <had> totally <laughs> space. Your blank stare at the wall, like <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> It means that people only have a few weeks left to sign up on our Patreon if the they gift. want to get the fall gift package. Fall gift package. Just a reminder, you need to sign up by September 1st mm-hmm. so that we know like how much of things to get yes. for these packages. And then we'll start sending them out October 1st. You can join Patreon anytime like even if you join after that of course but if you want this fall gift package for this year sign up by september 1st and you will get a little something something in the mail mail. and one thing i haven't told you yet we surpassed thirty thousand downloads last week kate that's amazing it is amazing especially since we only have seven (laughs) listeners so that's really incredible (laughs) i was so excited Uh, And before I forget, I do need to wish my neighbor downstairs, Luke, a happy birthday. Is it today? It was, depending on when you're listening to this, it was a couple days ago. We're just going to say it was a couple days ago. Happy birthday, Luke. Happy birthday, Luke. I know you're listening. And that's all the biz nasty, I think. Okay. I think we're just going to go... Into the story. Yes. So today we're talking about Garrett Warren. Mm. Do you know that name? No. I mean, when you say Warren, I think of like... The Warrens from The oh. Conjuring, but that's like totally Ed and out Lorraine. Of the, Ed and Lorraine. They are not a part of this that's episode. Okay. No worries. Garrett Warren was a three-time martial arts world champion. Damn. Had a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and was a Hollywood stuntman at the top of his game. So he could kick your ass by just looking at you, basically. Basically, okay. he was a badass beast. Okay. However, he was horrifically gunned down no. in May of 2000. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, fairly... Fairly recent. recent. Basically anything that starts with a two, I'm like, oh, that, oh, that's was, that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it was 23 years ago, but oh, still. Existential it, panic. <laughs> it's okay. No. It's okay. Drink your water. I hadn't heard of this case until I came across a Dateline episode about it. And I just found it fascinating. It's got some twists. Mm-hmm. It's got some turns. It's got a lot. Ooh. So let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. Garrett Warren was born in Milton, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. His exact date of birth isn't listed anywhere, but it's safe to say he was born sometime in the 60s. Okay. By the time he attended Northeast University in Boston, he was already a world taekwondo champion. During his senior year of college, a friend of his was opening a gym in Los Angeles and wanted Garrett to come out and help him get it off the ground, get it up and running. Garrett was like, dude, it's my senior year. Let me graduate. And then, yeah, I'll totally come out and help you. He was like not even graduated yet. Right. He's still in school. But his friend said, school schmule. You can go back at any time and finish. (laughs) When else are you going to get an opportunity like this? I like the Italian hands. Like this. (laughs) I don't know why I did that because he wasn't Italian. But I sure did that. That's (laughs) amazing. I would have been like, you're crazy. I'm months away from graduating. Like, slow your roll. Right. But I'm not Garrett. No. Garrett had heard that and said, all right, let's do this. At the time, he was planning on becoming a physical therapist, so he thought, 
I'll go help my buddy. We'll get this gym started. But once that's going, I'll pop back over to Boston and finish out my degree because physical therapy is calling me. That's amazing. I mean, physical therapy is is no joke. Absolutely. Like, I mean, kudos to those people. For sure. I remember Spencer, my roommate, like broke his finger after falling down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's healed was, now. We can laugh. That was a maniacal <laughs> laugh. <laughs> That's awful. He's fine. Hi, Spencer. He had to go to physical therapy for like a finger. And oh my so goodness. he would sit there and like just have move to do his, his finger. exercises. That's crazy. No one can see what Kevin is doing, but he's just. I'm doing finger exercises. He's doing his finger exercises. <laughs> Sounds terrible. So Garrett was all set to become a physical therapist. Great. Yes. But Hollywood had other plans. Hollywood was calling. In 1990, Garrett moved to L.A. He opened this gym and quickly had a list of celebrity clients coming to him for personal training. Holy shit. So did the guy that he opened the gym with, did that guy already have like a, a following or a base? That I'm not sure okay. about. Uh, I don't, I kind of don't think so, but I'm not positive. Sure. Garrett earned a reputation of being a highly skilled, sought-after martial artist and personal trainer. One thing he particularly excelled in was aerial kicks. Like when you jump and you kick. Jump kicks. Like in the air. Okay. <laughs> Hence the name. Is that... Wow. That's what I was doing, Dan. <laughs> Kate just did a full-on aerial kick. I totally did. Everyone it missed it. It was amazing. It. Thank you. I wish we had videotaped it. Too bad. He was a karate champion, which isn't something a lot of people can claim, and a producer took notice. There was a, a show shooting in Hawaii called Raven. Yeah, let's pause for Hawaii for a second because... That's crazy what's happening there Oh right my now. God, the pictures are yeah. horrendous. Oh. Everyone in Hawaii, we are... We are thinking, thinking of you. Thinking of you, I... I keep checking I the news. I think you can like donate to the Red Cross. Yeah, there there Hawaii. are several organizations. You know, maybe we'll put a link on our yeah. show notes too. Let's um, do it. Because, oh yeah, they said it's for wildfires the largest death toll in the U.S. <sighs> yeah, the last so time far. I read it was like ninety three people had died. Oh, not good, not good. So this producer calls up Garen, Garen, Garrett. I'll start That's that again. That's a good name, though, Garen. This producer calls up Garrett and he says, we're shooting the show. It's called Raven, mm -hmm. starring Jeffrey Meek and Lee Majors. And <gasps> I know that name, Lee Majors. Yeah, he's like kind he's of famous. pretty famous. Yeah. <laughs> Just calling it out. And, hey, Lee. And this producer says, hey, Garrett, you have skills. Want to come to Hawaii and show off those skills as a stuntman on our show? Hell Yes. Now, Garrett had never considered stunt work. That just wasn't where his head was at. He had never been on a TV or film set. He'd never done stunts. But this producer was like, we need your skills. Because sure, there were other stuntmen and women in Hollywood, but Garrett was especially skilled in karate. And he was a great match for the show's lead, Jeffrey Meek. And the show was looking for a guy to be his stunt double. Mm. So the producer said, we'll teach you everything you need to know. Just come on out to Hawaii. So just as he did when his friend asked him to leave college and come to L.A., Garrett told the producer, all right, let's do this. He was like, sure, I'll fly to Hawaii and hang out on an island and be on a TV set. Sign me the fuck yeah, up. A hundred percent. Garrett started working on Raven and realized he loved doing stunts. 
He liked testing his limits. He once told an interviewer that to be a stunned person is, quote, a special kind of stupid. Because basically you get hit by cars Mm -hmm. and fall downstairs for Mm -hmm. a living. And when the director asks if you can do another take, you say, sure, let's go. You have to be okay with getting hurt. That's insane. I always wonder about insurance for those people. Well, they have workman's comp. Do they have workman's comp? I mean, it's got to be an insane policy. Yeah. Not to get weirdly administrative, but like... No, it's a great question. You're being put in danger on purpose, but you're putting yourself in danger. So it makes me think like... Who's liable? But it's for a job. Like you're being asked to do those things Mm -hmm. by an employer. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's workman's comp. Yeah. Or you're, I just imagine really clumsy just falling downstairs and getting hit by cars. I mean, I mean, I don't think you can claim that on Workman's Comp. Well, shit. (laughs) So, one example of a a typical stunt in the in the life of Garrett. Mm would be a director asking him, okay, so you're going to hang off the back of this helicopter as it's in the air. You're going to drop onto that semi as it's driving by, get punched in the face, and fall to the ground. And as a stunt person, you just go, okay. Garrett told this interviewer, it's a special kind of stupid, and that's right in my wheelhouse. Okay. He loved it. I mean, if you love it, then go for it. I've met, oh, sorry, I've met a couple people who are stunt people just friends of friends Mm -hmm. Um, and they seem to really really love it and the money is good Mm -hmm. he said anytime he'd get cut he'd just slap some crazy glue on it to stop the bleeding and go about his day crazy glue that doesn't seem safe no but don't put glue in your bloodstream people but it worked for him apparently he was never one to seek the spotlight. He liked being the guy making other people look good. Yeah. So if someone was congratulating an actor on an amazing action sequence they did, Garrett would be like, yeah, wasn't he incredible? That's really humble. Right? That's really nice because I feel like I'd be the type of person who's like, that was me. <laughs> I mean, I'd kind of want the glory, the I think. fuck are you? That guy didn't do shit. <laughs> he just looks he pretty. He just looks good. And then I like throw myself on the floor really hard. And I'm like, look. This is going to a weird place. I'm sorry, Kate. <laughs> Garrett likened himself to a magician. And he said he didn't want people to see the magic trick. Which I thought was a really I mean, cool, cool way of looking at that. a way of thinking about it. Yeah. And back then in the 90s, it was right before CGI and green screens became popular oh, for damn. stunt work. Technology on sets have come a long way. Right. But when Garrett was starting out... He was doing all those stunts for real. And I'm not trying to downplay the risk of stunts today because there is still a lot of danger. And and a lot of stunts are still done for real. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Garrett definitely had his share of close calls. In 1997, he was the stunt double for Jean-Claude Van Damme in a movie called Double Team. They were shooting in the south of France. The film crew was predominantly Asian, the state, the safety stuntman was Italian and Garrett was American. So there was a big language barrier between all of them. Hey. hey there goes the hand gesture. <laughs> when they explained the stunt to Garrett, they said, okay, you're going to get on this cargo plane, like one of those where the back is open, sure, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. They said, you're going to stand on this package as it gets sucked into the plane. And they told him, you can't wear a parachute because the scene is basically him coming from the ground, getting onto the plane. So he wouldn't be wearing a parachute. Mm-hmm. And they said, you're going to fight with this guy on the plane who is wearing a parachute. 
You're going to throw him over you, and the two of you will fall out of the plane together, and he'll open his parachute. And Garrett's getting nervous because he's thinking, I have to jump out of a plane without a parachute? But then he sees some of the crew laughing, so he's like, oh, okay. They're messing with me. That's not the stunt. Oh, God. And he's also thinking, I probably misunderstood because of the language barrier. But then they said, okay, get on the package. And he was like, excuse me? And they said, get on the package. We got to shoot this. And the Italian safety coordinator could tell Garrett was apprehensive. So he told Garrett in his best English, trouble? I jump out of plane like a bullet. I come down real fast. I hit you. You be spin. You grab my chute and put your arms inside. I pull here and parachute deploys. No. Garrett said, oh, hell no. no. He said it was the most stupid, insane stunt he could have ever imagined. That's suicide. That's and, a suicide mission. And then he performed the stunt. And then he did it. <laughs> and then he did it. That's insane. He is insane. I mean, you have to be... But talented and very nice and ex- humble and ex- wonderful. Extremely skilled, extremely focused. Another close call came in 1999 when he was working on the film Chill Factor starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and Skeet Ulrich. Ooh, I'm not familiar with that film. He's credited as an actor in that film. He was playing a biker and he was riding a motorcycle, getting ready to do a stunt and was hit by an 18-wheeler head on. (sighs) Yeah, that was my face when I read about it. (laughs) How fast was that 18-wheeler going? Fast enough. The force of the impact threw him approximately 60 feet. The crew, this is gross. The crew found pieces of him on the side of the road. His right leg was ripped to shreds and he was out cold. When it happened... He said he had this moment of clarity and was taken to what he called a spiritual place. And he said he saw his sister there. His sister had passed away when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Garrett was pretty much a goner at that point. He was airlifted to Colorado where doctors were able to put him back together. And within a week, he was back at work. What the fuck? That's insane. How the hell? So you get pummeled by an 18-wheeler. Mm-hmm. Your leg just explodes, it sounds like. And then you're like, oh, I'm back to work a week later. He loved it. How did, but that's like, that's major trauma. Yeah, it is. How do you come back from that? He just dusted himself off and told himself, I got to do this. He was. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten hurt? Have I ever been no, no, close no. to death <laughs> and had my leg explode and then said let's no. go do this no i just mean like you know how like people get hurt and then they get up to and try to like hide it okay so my only thing i could say in comparison to that was when i played soccer when i was like i think i was seven mm-hmm. and we were doing these drills uh, one afternoon on practice and i got hit really hard in the stomach with a ball mm-hmm. It's not the same as an 18-wheeler, but it hurt, and I doubled over, and the coach was like, you can go home if you want. And I said, I want to stay. But I could like barely talk because the wind had been knocked out of me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, she's going to stay, everybody. And I felt really proud of myself. Oh, good, and everybody cheered. Everybody cheered. Good. I was not good at soccer, though. And then the other time was when I got hit with the softball in a softball tournament, and my face shattered. I did not go back to softball after that. I was like, I guess I'm done with that sport. I was not athletically inclined. Same. I tried basketball in the eighth grade. Didn't work. Not for you? 
Um, I got hit in the face in, during kickball in the third grade once. Kickball is balls, the worst. Those big rubber heavy balls. Yeah. It's not Pride Month anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you take one of those to the face, tears are going to come out. Right? And I was like, yeah. I'm going to keep going. And like, nice. I was crying and I was still trying to like throw it back. <laughs> and then they're like, Kevin, please leave the gym. Go splash <laughs> some water on your face and come back. Kevin, get out. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It was like steel magnolias. You're angry. <laughs> and I like ran out. <laughs> I can jog all the way to Texas. <laughs> but my face can't. Getting back on track. I'm sorry. Continue, Kate. <laughs> Garrett was revered in the industry as being the consummate professional. In addition to people talking about how kind and generous Mm. he was, he was known as being laser focused. Wally Crowder, a fellow stuntman, he's still working in stunts even now. He's pretty renowned in the field. He befriended Garrett and had hired him on several shows. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, Garrett was a very focused individual. People think of stuntmen as daredevils, crazy people. That's the last person I want on my job, which is so true. That is very true. You have to know what you're doing. Wally described Garrett as one of the finest fight men he'd ever met, a phenomenal athlete and an expert at what he did. Mm -hmm. If you're not careful or professional in that situation, you can hurt other people. Exactly. Garrett just went at life full force. (laughs) Whatever it was, he was all in. Good for him. Which is why it's no surprise that when he met model and actress Claudia Haro towards the end of 1997, he fell pretty hard, pretty fast. Claudia had been married before to Academy Award-winning actor Joe Pesci. Ah. They were married from 1988 to 1992, which was when he was popping. He was doing the Lethal Weapon franchise, Goodfellas, which he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, My Cousin Vinny, Home Alone... All during the time they were married. That, okay. I'm I'm not familiar with those, the ones you just mentioned, except for Home Alone. Okay. You're a little, you're a little younger. You might have been like past, it might have been before. I think so. And I just haven't had a chance to go back and watch those because those are very well known movies. 100%. And actually I will say, and I didn't realize this until I was doing the research, was mm-hmm. that Goodfellas and Home Alone Came out the same year. Oh, my God. In 1990. Yeah, and now he's in Bupkiss, the Pete Davidson show. So. Good for you, Joe. Go Joe Pesci. Even after Joe and Claudia divorced, they remained good friends. He let her live in his guest house from time to time when she needed a place. And they were really like family. It was a very amicable split. She also acted in a few movies with him, including With Honors and Casino. Ooh, Casino's one I've always wanted to see. Mm. And I wanted to see it because... At the fair in my town, there was this ride called Casino, and it was a a round like disc shape, and it looked like a uh, a gambling chip, and so you would get on it and it would spin like it was kind of like you know how when you throw a coin down and it yeah yeah yeah, yeah it span like span it spun like that. And, and I you were like, it was I cool. should watch that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I saw the movie, I was like, yeah, the ride, the movie. I'm going to go see it. <laughs> Little kid brain. Go ahead. When Claudia and Garrett started dating, people in their inner circle were like, were like this is the one. Mm. Garrett said of his relationship with Claudia, it was true love. It was the thing that poetry was written about. Mm. The thing that movies are made of. 
Claudia was really excited that she had found Garrett. People described him as being really sweet and funny, and she was so happy with him. And Joe Pesci was super supportive of the relationship. He was happy for her. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. He wasn't like shitty about it. No, they were, he and Claudia were still really close. Okay. Garrett knew right away that Claudia was the one. And less than a year after they met, they were married. Soon after, they had a daughter that they named Kyla. Garrett and Claudia loved being parents. They both doted on Kyla, and things in the marriage were really good. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, almost as quickly as they fell in love, they fell out of it. Maybe it was the stress of being new parents. Maybe it was their schedules. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But things started going south, and after less than two years of marriage, Garrett and Claudia divorced. That's a shame. Yeah. It got kind of messy because they were both trying to figure out a way where they could see Kyla. And they went through a custody battle, which turned pretty nasty. During the fight for custody, this is awful, Claudia accused Garrett of sexually molesting Kyla. So, of course, he was investigated. After a thorough investigation, a family court judge ruled that there was absolutely no evidence that Garrett had abused Kyla in any way. And then he got full custody, right? No. Garrett and Claudia were awarded joint custody uh-uh. of Kyla. Mm, uh, fuck no. It is I'm sorry, odd. you can't, I, no. If you do that in a spiteful manner to someone, I don't think you're a fit parent. It's, it's questionable for sure, but I think, I mean, we weren't there, obviously, but. Sure, and I don't want to downplay it, but like, you know, that's just fucked up. If the judge, or if the court, I should say, believed that, Claudia truly did think that Garrett had abused Kyla, then maybe they, you know, looked past the accusation and said, okay, this child should have both her father and her mother in her life. So they ended up getting joint custody. And it's also like, why couldn't they have just agreed on that in the first place? Right. Like, like, why did she have to take it to a dark place? But... I mean, we weren't there. I think, you know, it was a messy divorce. No. Divorce is It's not just easy. such a shitty thing to do to Oh, someone. it's horrible. Like, That's horrible. I understand, like, you're trying to do anything to keep your child safe. But to me, like, it sounds like it was not about the kid and more about... Oh, yeah. I mean, she wanted, she wanted custody. Yuck. I don't like it. So on Saturday, May 20th of 2000, it was Garrett's first overnight visitation with his then two-year-old daughter. So after going through this huge custody ordeal and investigation, he finally gets to have Kyla stay with him for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And being that it was the first time, he called his mom to come over to help him out. He was still getting used to being a new parent, and he definitely wasn't used to doing it on his own. So enter grandma. His mom gets there, and he's like, I need to run to the supermarket to get things for Kyla for the weekend. Do you mind watching her? And she was like, of course not. It's what I'm here for. At that point, Kyla was in her room sleeping. So he puts his cell phone in his pocket, grabs his car keys, and just as he was putting on his jacket to leave, the doorbell rang. And it didn't just ring once. It rang like six times Mm -hmm. really fast, Mm -hmm. one right after the other. So Garrett walks over to the door and looks through the peephole and sees a man standing there. And he yells out, can I help you? But the guy didn't answer. So Garrett cracks the door just enough so he can talk to the guy. And he says again, can I help you? And the guy asked him, Is this your silver Volvo in the driveway? And Garrett answered, yeah. And then the guy just kept asking him about the car. That's your car? That's your silver Volvo? 
and he seemed kind of nervous. So Garrett's like, fuck, did this guy just hit my car? Because it was a brand new car. Mm. So he opens the door further to get a better look outside and asks the guy, did you hit my car? Garrett was expecting the guy to answer. He was not expecting the revolver the man was holding in his right hand. Unfortunately, Garrett had no time to react because the man immediately started firing. The first shot hit Garrett directly in the center of his chest, traveling to his rib cage where it got lodged. The second bullet went straight through Garrett's neck and out his back. The third bullet went through Garrett's left hip and straight out his back. Oh, my God. And at this point, Garrett fell backwards onto the floor in the doorway of his home. Mm -hmm. And it was then that the gunman walked right up to him, put the gun against his head, and fired. This bullet, this fourth and final bullet, went through Garrett's right eye, exited just under his left ear, and lodged into the wall behind his head. His 64-year-old mom ran towards him, with the gunman still there in the doorway. So if you thought Garrett was brave doing stunt work, it's clear where he got his bravery from because his mom literally ran into the line of fire. The gunman then pointed the gun at her and fired twice. Thankfully, neither shot hit her. And at that point, the shooter was out of bullets, so he fled. Mark Gaiman, who at the time was a detective for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, said investigators explored every possibility they could think of as to who could have shot Garrett. They, of course, questioned Claudia because they're always going to look at the ex-spouse. Did they talk to his ex-wife? They obviously did. She was cooperative, and they were able to quickly rule her out as a suspect. She didn't appear to have any ties to the shooting, and she had a strong alibi. They also thought it could have been a case of road rage where the driver wanted revenge. They thought since the person kept asking about the car, maybe Garrett had cut someone off or there had been some altercation on the freeway. So they were looking into that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I feel like when you have when there's a like an active road rage situation happening, it's anger all the way. You're going to come feel, in hot. Yeah, I feel like it's happening there. Like right. that to me is a stretch. That is a stretch. They brought up the possibility it could have been an ex-business partner or the spouse or boyfriend of someone he had dated. Then after a few months, the sheriff's department received an anonymous letter written by a group of people involved in the gym Garrett owned. The letter stated that word around the gym was that it was actually a woman who owned the gym, not Garrett. That Garrett and this woman were having a fling and her husband was someone Garrett worked with in the movie industry. And the husband had found out about the affair. Oh, fuck. They do name names in the letter, so of course investigators follow up on this. Yeah. They questioned everyone whose name came up. They followed right. up on every lead. Mm-hmm. Nothing came But it all it. led to a dead end. Damn. There was nothing there. I don't even know that anything in that letter was, was truthful. Was actually true. Yeah. So unfortunately, detectives were back to square one with really nothing to go on, and the case went cold. Mm-hmm. It took almost two years before they finally got a break. Oh, my God. Officers in a separate county okay. were investigating a car that belonged to a known drug dealer. They, they were searching for drugs. When they looked in the trunk, they lifted the spare tire 
and underneath was an envelope that contained a piece of paper with an address written on it, along with a photo of Garrett, Garrett Warren. And his address? It was his address. Whoa. The car belonged to Miguel Quiros, who owned a pizza parlor about 80 miles from where Garrett lived. Several customers stated that on the night of the shooting, Miguel was at the restaurant. They saw him. They spoke to him. He was described as a likable, middle-class guy, very respected in his community. So we're just going to put a pin in that for a minute, because this is where things get wild. Oh my god, Kate, I don't know. This is insane. Are you ready for the twist? Yeah, I guess. Let me take a breath. Okay, take that breath. Okay, go ahead. I'm ready. Preparing. Garrett Warren survived. Not only did he survive... But he was completely lucid through the entire thing. So let's go back to the scene of the crime. Let's just take a minute and take another breath. (sighs) You with me? He survived? Yes, I was waiting for your reaction to that. He survived? He survived getting shot four times at close range. In in the eye, and it went out his his hip, his chest. Mm -hmm. That... I mean, was he able to, like, tense his muscles up and, like, stunt take bullets? (laughs) Stunt take bullets. Let's go back to the scene of the crime. I'm going to walk you through it. So Garrett has just opened his door a little further to look outside Mm -hmm. and ask the guy if he hit his car. The gunman begins firing. That first bullet that hit Garrett in the center of his chest miraculously missed his heart. How the fuck? It got stuck in his rib cage and is still there to this day. Ew. Garrett said, when you're shot, you don't know that you're shot at first. Really? You don't, I don't ever feel the pain. Yeah, I don't ever want to have to know that firsthand. He said, you don't feel the pain. So after the first bullet, he looked down in his chest and looked up to see the shooter pull the trigger again. At this point, Garrett turns his head to the side a bit, and that's the one that went through his neck and out his back, missing any major artery. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm hmm. At this point, Garrett went to close the door, but the shooter fired a third shot that went through his hip and out his back, and he said that one hurt because it went through bone. Oh, oh, hip bone. Mm -hmm. Does your, my hip, as as I age, I feel like it gets stuck sometimes, like when I move a little bit, like in the socket, and that is painful. I can't imagine like a bullet going through bone. Mm So Garrett falls to the ground. The gunman puts the gun to Garrett's head. And as soon as Garrett saw him pull the trigger, Garrett flinched and turned his head a little, causing that bullet to go through his His right eye. It managed to completely bypass his brain and exited just below his ear. What's crazy is he said he could still see out of that eye, but it was like looking through a kaleidoscope. Everything was fragmented. Shut the fuck up. Mm-mm, I won't. What? Yeah. So his mom runs in. The gunman shoots twice and misses her and then flees. Garrett looked at his mom and said, I love you, mom. I'll see you on the other side. Oh. He was sure he was a goner. I mean, I would too in right. that situation. His mom shook him, which maybe don't shake someone who's been shot four times, oh, but she was just being a mom. And she rattled the bullets out. And, <laughs> and then she, he stood up and was like, great. Bada bing. <laughs> Bada boom. 
so she said to him, don't you fucking die. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> he said that hit him harder than the bullets because his mom never <laughs> cussed. And he was like, oh my God, my mom just said fucking. And she said to him, you've been a fighter all your life. Fight one more time for me. So in true Garrett fashion, he was like, all right, let's do this. They called 911 and he actually spoke to the operator himself. As paramedics carried him out of the home, authorities asked if he knew who might have done this to him. Without hesitation, he had one name to give, Claudia Haro. But they interviewed her that night and were able, were able to rule her out. And when they told Garrett they really didn't think she was involved, he let it go. In the hospital, he was able to help officers create a sketch of the gunman. He described him as a stocky male around 5'9 or 5'10 with short dark hair and a goatee. Garrett spent just 10 days in the hospital. He's, I'm telling you, he's a badass he beast. Of titanium? He's He's incredible. He's like a real-life Marvel superhero. He is. He did have to go through a lot of rehab, as well as multiple surgeries over the course of several months, and they did eventually have to remove his eye. Well, I mean... I mean... I don't think you can come back from that. Yeah. He still has residue from the gunshot in uh, there, but he's alive. For a long time after the shooting, Garrett didn't leave his house unless he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Well, shit, yeah. And he installed a ton of security around his home. Good. He was terrified that the gunman was going to come back. I would move. I cannot even imagine. Whenever he drove somewhere, once he got out of the vehicle, he'd put scotch tape on the door and the gas cap. To make sure that you can tell if someone's been in there. Has been tampered with, yeah. My parents used to do that in the closet they hid my Christmas presents in. That's really clever. Well, I figured it out. Oh. So, (laughs) jokes on you, bitches. Oh, shit. He was just in a constant state of paranoia, which is a horrible way to live. About a year after the shooting, he returned to work as a personal trainer at his gym. And it was then that he met Issa, who would eventually become his second wife. Not Issa Rae. Sorry, I love Issa Rae. <laughs> Once he was in this new relationship, he was able to let go of the anger he'd felt towards Claudia at the end of I their mean, marriage. I mean, that's healthy. It Good is. Good for him. I'd be holding on to that a little longer. He he did but not. But he can let it go. And the two of them were able to become friendly again. They were back to shared custody. They went back to their visitation schedule. And they seemed to be on good terms. Now let's fast forward to when investigators in another county found a picture of Garrett and his address underneath the spare tire in Miguel Kiros' car. trunk. They had been in an envelope which was sent from Hollywood. So the officers passed it along to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department because there was nothing they could do about it. It wasn't their jurisdiction. But they thought, this looks suspicious and maybe L.A. County could use this. Yeah. Detectives in L.A. put Kiros's picture in a group with five others and showed it to Garrett and asked, is your shooter one of these people? Without hesitation, Garrett pointed to Kiros and said it was him. Then they brought Kiros into a live lineup, and once again, Garrett ID'd him as the shooter. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, officers arrested Miguel Kiros and charged him with attempted murder. But the thing was, he had a strong alibi. Multiple customers said they'd seen him at the pizza parlor the night of the shooting. Kiros was also a lot smaller than the description Garrett had initially given police. And investigators couldn't find 
any direct connection between Kiros and Garrett. Yeah, that's so random. Yeah, Garrett had never heard the name Miguel Kiros. Kiros had never been to Garrett's gym. He wasn't part of the entertainment industry. So he didn't deliver him pizza or anything? No, he, the pizza place was 80 miles away. Oh, I was actually just going to ask you, like, how far was the pizza place? Yeah. That's so crazy. So proving he was the gunman was going to be an uphill battle. Do you think the car, did the car belong to Miguel when yes. he, when the guy was shot? When, when Garrett was shot? Like. The car that the envelope was found yes, in? Yes. Yeah. Did Miguel buy that car after the crime? Mm, unclear. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Like. If someone did it and then he bought that, like, and then sold that car and he bought the car and didn't know that envelope was in there or something. We're going to get to that in a second. He knew that envelope was in there. Yeah. Prosecutor Mm. Hoon Chun was the deputy district attorney assigned to the case. And the more he looked into it, the weaker the case against Kiros became. Okay. But what really struck him came during one of Kiros's court hearings. District attorney Chun noticed that Kiros was left-handed. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned that when Garrett opened his door to ask the guy if he hit his car, the revolver was in the guy's right hand. So Chun is like, this isn't the guy. It wouldn't make sense for a left-handed person to try to commit murder using his right hand. Then Chun saw a photo of Garrett taken at a party. It's never stated who provided this photo, but the picture did explain why Garrett picked Kiros out of a lineup. The photo shows Garrett at this party, a barbecue. He's sitting on the floor inside a house, and his daughter Kyla is in front of him. She's playing with a little boy next to her, and behind the little boy is the boy's dad. Miguel. Miguel Quiros. Based on the age of Kyla in the photo and the fact that the scar from where a bullet exited underneath Garrett's left ear can be seen in the photo... Prosecutors were able to determine that the photo was taken very shortly after the shooting. Both men happened to be at the same party, and though their interaction was brief, it was enough for the image of Kiros to be in Garrett's brain, which made him recognize Kiros in a lineup. Oh, okay. I see. I was scared there, Kate, because I thought you were going to say, and here's the 70,000th fucking twist of this story. They were in on it together. Oh, that'd be crazy, but that's not the case. And like he was like trying to frame that awful ex-wife, Claudia. No, and he's like, I'm gonna make it look like I got shot so she can go down. Not at all. And they're and they were on okay. good terms. Go, at this point. Right, I know. I'm just making up stories. It was clear Kiros was not the shooter. Okay. So who was? Kiros had to have known something because he had that envelope, envelope. with Garrett's picture and address in the trunk of his right. car. Are you ready for another twist? I don't know, Kate. This story is like... Go ahead. The envelope was postmarked after the shooting. Almost a year and a half after, actually. So rather than it being evidence of a hit note, it was a re-hit note. Re-hit? Yes. The defense attorneys allowed the prosecutors to talk to Kiros. And at first, Kiros wasn't giving up anything. They went round and round and round questioning him and were like, dude, you had evidence in your car of a rehit. Finally, he was like, all right, all right. I wasn't the shooter, but I was one of the middlemen. He told them the hit note on Garrett had been sent directly to him and he put it under the spare tire for safekeeping, but then 
forgot about it. Oops. Had he not been so careless, I don't know that this case would have ever been solved. Attorneys offered him a plea deal for his involvement in the attempted murder, and he immediately took it. He sang like a canary. He was ready to rat out all his friends if it meant a lesser punishment for him. He told investigators the man who actually pulled the trigger was an old friend of his named Jorge Hernandez. He said he paid Hernandez $10,000 to kill Garrett Warren. Kiros agreed to wear a wire and collect mm-hmm. evidence on his partner in crime, mm-hmm. if you will. So was he running like a hitman business, basically? Well, we'll find out. So Kiros, while wearing the wire, approached Hernandez at a party and eventually turned the conversation toward the hit. Right. And Hernandez said, quote, I apologize, dude. I'm not a good shot. It's like, then okay. What are you doing in the hitman business, you dumbass? I mean, I'm glad he's not a good shot. Let's put it. No, of there. course. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But like, what the fuck? He goes on to say, just get the guns or whatever and we'll finish it off if that's what you need. So now they've got on tape Jorge Hernandez admitting to pulling the trigger. But why did Kiros reach out to him in the first place and pay him $10,000? Yeah, why? Because a good friend of his asked him to. Manny Haro and Miguel Kiros had been friends for a long time. They worked together in the pizza business, and they were also partners when it came to dealing drugs. Manny Haro was the younger brother of Claudia Haro. That was loud. I apologize, Kate. I knew it! Kiros <laughs> told detectives that Manny gave him the $10,000 payment and asked him to find someone to kill Garrett. Detectives arrested Manny Haro and Jorge Hernandez and charged them with attempted murder and conspiracy. Conspiracy? Conspiracy. When they questioned Manny, they asked him why he would do this for his sister. Why would he agree to be involved in the murder of his Mm ex-brother-in-law? And he said Claudia had told him that Garrett had sexually molested Kyla. And she knew this would strike a nerve with Manny. Because he had been sexually abused as a kid. Fuck her straight to hell. And Claudia was the only one he had ever confided in about that. What a manipulative... Horrible. So when detectives asked him if Claudia had mentioned that Garrett was cleared of those accusations, that there was no evidence of abuse, Manny said he was not aware of that. She had just left that part out. (sighs) After they spoke with Manny, detectives arrested Claudia Haro, and at that point, five years had gone by since the shooting. Detective Mark Gaiman was thrilled to call Garrett up and say, guess what? We've arrested your ex-wife for hiring a hitman to murder you. And Garrett was like, I knew it! He'd always thought she was the one behind the attack. Their divorce was extremely contentious, and she was pissed that he'd been awarded joint custody. It's like, what part of you goes, I know, I'll just have my kid's dad murdered. That's the best solution. Yes. Like, what? I don't understand shit like that, I don't either. I don't understand why people in relationships who aren't getting what they want can't just... I mean, let's be clear. If there's shitty things happening, yes, sometimes it's tough to get out of those situations. Of course. I get it. However... This was not when a domestic go, abuse situation. Right, but when you go straight to, I just have to snuff them out and my life is going to be better. Right. It's like, what that, What makes you think that things are going to be better? That doesn't make I. It feels like it's a personality trait it's, almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, though, 
Manny did not agree to testify against his sister. And without his testimony, the district attorney's office didn't feel they had a strong enough case yet against Claudia to press charges. So after 48 hours, they released her and she was free to go. No! Mark Gaiman was devastated when he then had to call Garrett back and say, So, we had to let her go. Which if I'm Garrett, I'm terrified knowing she's back on the streets. At that point, prosecutors offered Manny a plea deal. And he took it. He agreed to plead guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and to testify against his sister. And he made a recorded statement saying that Claudia had asked him to kill Garrett. Well, thank God. He said Claudia had come to him in February of 2000, accusing Garrett of sexually abusing Kyla and offering to pay him to kill Garrett. She asked him if the job was guaranteed and if there was some kind of warranty, like murder is just something you order off an infomercial, satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Manny first went to his friend, Lovell Campbell, who asked for $6,000. Manny stated that Claudia gave him the first half of that up front. However, a few days later, Campbell said he couldn't find Garrett's house, and later he revealed he never had any intention to kill Garrett. So Claudia asked her brother Manny if he could find someone else, and that's when he asked Kiros, who in turn asked Hernandez. Hernandez Hernandez agreed to do it for $10,000. Kiros also gave detectives a letter he said Claudia had given to him, which read, quote, Not Wednesday or Saturday, my daughter is with him. That alone is just like all kinds of fuck. But the daughter was there anyway. Right, because so many middlemen were involved at that point that that message that did lost. not, exactly, did not reach Hernandez. Well, I wonder how she would have fucking felt if something bad had happened to her daughter. Exactly. Manny stated that when Garrett survived the shooting, Claudia contacted him again asking when the job could be completed. And remember, after Garrett was released from the hospital, Claudia was super nice to him. They were on friendly terms. They got back on their visitation schedule. And the whole time, she's trying to figure out when he can be killed. The father of her child. I don't trust people named Claudia. I'm just thinking about that now. Every Claudia I've known has been some kind of evil person i'm sure there are claudias out there that are cool if you're a claudia and you're listening to this you're obviously cool because you're a misfit but we just gotta watch them (laughs) okay fair (laughs) so love you claudias so with manny's statement they re-arrested claudia in december of 2005 and charged her with two counts of attempted murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder she of course denied everything yada 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 and at that point All the evidence was circumstantial. They had the motive, the divorce and the custody battle. Mm -hmm. The timing didn't look great for Claudia because the shooting occurred just about a month after Garrett was awarded joint custody. But they didn't have anything concrete. And then they noticed something. There was that piece of paper found in Kiros' car that had Garrett's address written Mm -hmm. on it. He lived in Agora Hills, which is spelled A-G-O-U-R-A. But on that piece of paper... Agora was misspelled. It was spelled A-U-G-O-R-A. In a typed letter Claudia had sent to Garrett in September of 2001, she apologized for showing up at the wrong location to pick up Kyla. The court order stated she was supposed to pick up Kyla at Garrett's gym, 
And instead, she went to his home. Because she typed the letter, she put his name and address in the upper left corner. And Agora Hills was spelled incorrectly. And when they compared her handwriting to the handwriting on the note, it was a match. When detectives interviewed her, she, of course, denied everything. She said she didn't know who would want Garrett killed. She denied ever going to her brother and asking him to kill Garrett. She denied ever giving Manny $10,000 to to do the job. And she said she never had a large amount of money. But detectives knew the money had come from somewhere. And that's when they started looking at Joe Pesci. They questioned Pesci and searched his property for evidence but didn't find anything, and he denied ever giving Claudia the money. However, Manny Haro stated to investigators that on at least one occasion, Claudia gave him money in front of Pesci's home. And remember, she lived in the guest house off and on. The picture that was taken showing Garrett, his daughter, Kiros, and Kiros' son at a party was taken at a party held at the home of Joe Pesci. Nevertheless, Pesci was never charged with any involvement in the case. Claudia spent 23 months in jail before posting one and a quarter million dollar bond. Wonder who paid for that? Pesci? I don't know. It's weird. We don't know. Could have been her lawyer. Could have been somebody else. I like to think that Joe is a little bit more removed from this. Claudia was released pending trial, which wouldn't come for another Five years. Why does she get five years at a time? So let's just talk about the sentences of the others involved first. Oh, God, Kate. I don't know. You'll get through this. Okay. Jorge Hernandez, the gunman. Yes. Was sentenced to 77 years to life in prison. And he got... Oh, that's the sentence. That's the sentence, yeah. Without parole? I don't believe he has the possibility of parole. Did he die in there? believe he's still alive. Garrett Warren took the stand at that trial. And when the prosecutor asked how certain he was that Hernandez was the shooter, he said, I would bet my left eye on it. Oh, he's such a... He's a badass. I do too. Miguel Quiroz, who had taken that plea deal, received five years probation, including a suspended prison sentence of three years. Miguel Quiroz, the pizza guy. Yeah. Manny Haro, who'd also taken a plea deal, was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. He was released in June of 2017. Wow. Now to Claudia. Hi. Claudia's defense attorney was Tom Mesereau, who in 2005 had successfully represented Michael Jackson in his child molestation case. Mesereau has re- represented other celebrities, including Mike Tyson in a rape investigation, Robert Blake in the murder of his wife, Bonnie Lee Beckley, and Bill Cosby in his sexual assault retrial. Ooh, this guy is... So yeah, I just want to give that little list there. In Claudia's 2007 preliminary hearing, Mesereau asked Lovell Campbell, the first guy Manny Haro had hired, if Manny had told him Joe Pesci was involved in the murder plot. Campbell said, quote, Not directly like that. It had more to do with the finances. Mesereau then asked if Manny Haro had told him Pesci was paying for the hit. Campbell testified, quote, he made indications that the money was coming from Joe Pesci. He wouldn't come out and say that himself because he had a lot of respect and admiration for Joe Pesci and didn't want to implicate him in anything. He would never say his name. He would say that person or him. Mesereau then asked Campbell, 
Did Manny Haro suggest Pesci was involved? Campbell answered, not in the shooting, just in the paying. Again, they never found any evidence suggesting Pesci was involved and he was never charged with anything. Plus, if he did give Claudia the money, it's entirely possible he didn't know what it was for. So there's that. Yes. And also, I mean, she's so manipulative. Maybe she told him about the sexual harassment or the sexual assault claims. I mean, we'll we'll never know. We'll never know. The defense Mesro put together for Claudia's case was interesting. He based it around the whole thing being Manny's idea and that Claudia was not involved in any way. Mesero told Dateline NBC, quote, If Claudia is guilty of anything, it's of having a career criminal for a brother. Okay. He said he believed Manny was angry about being sexually abused as a child, which, yeah, I agree with him on that. I'm sure Manny was angry about that. But he went on to say that Manny came up with the murder plot in order to keep his street cred as a drug dealer. And when he got caught, he just blamed everything on his sister to try to gain his own freedom. Which doesn't make any sense, considering Manny initially refused to testify against Claudia. He didn't want to go against his sister, and the fact that she was the only one he had ever confided in about the sexual abuse indicates how he felt about her. There was a bond there. Yeah, you don't bring that up with just anybody. No. Mesero also said the hit note allegedly written by Claudia was a forgery, that she had never talked to anyone about a murder plot. Okay, Tom Mesereau. Take a seat. Take a seat. You need to sit down, Mesereau. Her trial was set for March of 2012, but the night before it began, Claudia changed her mind. She was like, yeah, I don't think I'll fight these charges after all. Instead, she pleaded no contest to two counts of attempted murder and a principal firearm charge. That doesn't mean she carried the firearm. It just means she was the main person involved in a crime that involved a firearm. The following month at her sentencing hearing, it was like a scene from a movie. She strutted into that courtroom wearing a skin-tight blue dress and black high-heeled pumps. She was accompanied by an entourage of not just her friends, but also Joe Pesci, dressed all in black and wearing sunglasses, and a nun wearing a white habit. What the fuck is a nun doing there? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she's got to appear very pure. Oh, of course. Yes. Once she took her seat next to Mesero, he reminded the room that, quote, she has not pled guilty to anything. The Los Angeles Superior Court judge sentenced Claudia to just... 12 years and four months behind bars. As she was taken away into custody, her friends yelled out, We love you! And Joe Pesci was visibly upset and left quickly. Garrett, surprisingly, does not harbor any resentment towards his ex-wife. I do. (laughs) I know you do. I do too. In fact, he made it a point to allow Claudia, while behind bars, to speak with Kyla on the phone as much as she wanted. And he also brought Kyla to visit her mom at the prison. This bitch is dangerous. Well, she was behind bars at the time. Well, I don't care. Claudia was granted (laughs) early release in August of 2019, but that didn't seem to phase Garrett. He said he is free of anger and everyone should be in this world. He told Dateline she made a mistake. I've made mistakes. No one's perfect. Yes. 
and Garrett, you have the high road here, and that is absolutely the path that you should take. However, <laughs> how ever. I don't know how he was able to forgive her for that. For everything. You don't have to forgive people. Exactly. You don't. But I think he wanted to. For the sake of Kyla and for his own I mean, own that's well-being. wonderful. I'm so glad that, you know, the, the daughter gets to have some kind of normalcy mm-hmm. with interaction with both parents. Lovely. She didn't get the sentence she deserved. No, she did not. I, I agree with you. Garrett thought his career as a stuntman was over following the attack. He said, who's going to want to hire a guy with just one eye to do stunts? But once he got his glass eye... <gasps> No one really noticed. <sighs> and he did get hired. And he also began exploring other routes he could take in his career. He continued personal training. He got into fight coordinating, directing, and Garrett's career skyrocketed. Good for him. Also, I am on the glass eye side of TikTok. I don't I know. I don't know how... what that means. Well, like the algorithm will bring me videos of people with glass eyes and like talking about having them okay it's fascinating kate there are a ton of different like materials and yeah things that you can use to make fake eyes i saw this one girl like she had this beautiful like rhinestone patch (gasps) yeah that was like gemstone and really like this beautiful pattern and she could put it in and have this like gorgeous oh that's cool it's so amazing and i got into it i was like i like this (laughs) and i was yeah fascinating that's cool Garrett has gone on to direct second unit in films and TV shows, including Little Fockers, Limitless, The Internship, Ender's Game, Mortal Kombat, Legacy, Divergent, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, Avatar, The Way of Water, and Logan, just to name a few. Okay, so he's on the big up and up. He's doing all right. (laughs) There are many more. He was also second unit director on Avatar 3, which is currently in post-production. For another 10 years. And just for anyone who is wondering, a second unit director is someone who directs scenes of a production like an action sequence, per se, while the first unit is at another set filming it's just a way for productions to complete their projects faster i did not know that yeah thank you for explaining you're welcome so he's like a he's like an action scene director while the principal stuff is happening yeah so like let's say james cameron is over there shooting a scene for whatever right he's on another set filming directing zoe sal zoe saldana in something in like an action sequence yeah that's really cool and does the director have a say in how that goes? Yes. So the second unit directors work directly with the main director. So the main director is going to be like, I want this and this and this, and they just need to implement that. Mm -hmm. But I think also they do have some of their own creative control as well. Oh, that's very exciting. Since the shooting, Garrett has acted in such productions as The Rundown, starring The Rock, Spider-Man 2, Desperate Housewives, The Losers, Real Steel, and Alita, Battle Angel, among others. That's amazing. Sorry, you, you like you said Desperate, ha- Desperate Spider-Man, <laughs> and I thought it was like Spider-Man colon Desperate Housewives. I thought you were going to say Desperate Housewives, The Losers, because I put those <laughs> together too, and I just realized that. I just imagine a bunch of like... Uh, Real Housewives from Bravo dressed as Spider-Man <laughs> and they're like my rope is not long enough to stick to the wall or whatever <laughs> you know they always have those little like intros I've never seen a Real Housewives oh okay that's fine <laughs> well no they'll come up and be like it's my day till 
my way till payday or you know like something okay and i kind of like sassy that quips and then i just imagine like spider-man themed i'm gonna build my web in this corner and there you, you have cut it that out. i'm sorry <laughs> He's been a personal trainer for such stars as Jessica Alba, Jada Pinkett Smith, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Zoe Saldana. And he's really been Zoe Saldana's right-hand man when it comes to stunt work. He's worked with her on multiple oh my movies. God, I love Zoe Saldana. She's great. He performed stunts and or was the stunt coordinator for projects like Sin City, War of <gasps> the Worlds, Mission Impossible 3, Transformers, Beowulf, Alice in Wonderland, Iron Man 2, X-Men, First Class, Dexter, A Wrinkle in Time, Ready Player One, and Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. So every action movie in the past five this years. This list goes on and on and on. In an interview with Nancy Grace, he said before the shooting he was just a really good stuntman at the top of his game. But he said, quote, I became much more successful after this happened. And it's not for the fact that I have a good story to tell. It's for the fact that I learned how to get rid of a whole lot of revenge. I got rid of any desire to get back at anybody or anything. And it made me realize that through that idea of just forgiving and forgetting, I was able to focus my attention on pursuing other things I wanted to just be better at, the things that I was trying to go forward in my life. Mm -hmm. And then my career skyrocketed. And I'm going to end with this. In the podcast, When It Mattered, hosted by Chitra Raghavan, hope I'm saying her name right, Chitra asked him what he would say to his younger self. <laughs> and Garrett said, looking back, I'd say, boy, you're going to have a lot of fun. I wouldn't change a thing. I would take all the surgeries all over again. I'd take the gunshots all over again. I'll lose the eye all over again. I love my life. I love what I do. I love where I am. I love who I am. I would not do it any differently. If you don't go through those things and have those problems and those mountains to climb, you will not be the strong person that you are today. I would never change anything I did. I love everything I went through. I had the best time and I'd do it all again. Twice. And that's the case. I would run up to my little self and be like, you're going to get shot in the face. Stay inside. Oh my God. I did. I did reach out to Garrett. Did you? I did. Um, because I wanted, I just wanted to let him know that I wanted. an episode? Yeah, that I wanted that's to do nice. this episode. And I kind of wanted to get his blessing he never saw the message, though, so I did not get a response. So, Garrett, if you see this or hear this and you're pissed, let me know. We'll take it down. I'm so sorry. But I also, think, you're amazing. Yeah. And I, we think your story you're, is very insane. We think you're a badass yeah. beast of a man and a total inspiration. Yeah. And, oh, I do want to say, so with the writers and actors strike going on, mm -hmm. he's offering free stunt workshops. Oh, my gosh. And there's a cover charge for the gym, but in a Facebook post, he said, if anyone can't afford that cover fee, DM him and he'll pay it for you. And he wrote, please show up even if you are late or have to leave early. All are welcome in every way. Oh, what a good guy. What an inspiration. Yeah. He has a new love now. He's got a gaggle of kids. Of Everyone is thriving. Yeah. Kyla is thriving. Oh, good. I'm yes. glad to hear that. I just loved this story. Everything that he's been through. I mean, with his stunt work, he's had somewhere, well, at the time of this interview, um, had had somewhere around 66 surgeries just from stunts. He's broken everything at some point. I mean, that's the thing. It's like 
it feels like he's made of steel or something yeah you know, i mean like, he probably is i think he actually might be like he might have some titanium <laughs> plates going like on. they just keep like doing the surgeries and he's getting stronger and by then the he day comes iron man <laughs> his next feat is gonna be like saving humanity of I course think. uh i just think he's like super cool and some great lessons in there for all of us i think mm-hmm. number one lesson though of horrorwood is always don't do murder And don't do attempted murder. It's just rude. And (laughs) if you have any thoughts on this episode or want to comment or just want to say hi, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Horrorwood Podcast. And if you haven't watched the Meet the Host video Kevin and I did, you should watch it. You can find it on YouTube. It was a ton of fun. That was fun. We were a little tipsy. A little tipsy. That cocktail. Ooh, Kate, I want one of those cocktails again. I kind of do too. I don't have the ingredients That's okay. Next time. I drank a lot of them when we were on vacation. Did you? You can send us an email at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com and you can join our patreon by september 1st and get yourself a little gift package you can do that by going to patreon.com slash horrorwoodpodcast we're gonna brew up some witch things in a we sure are in a in a cauldron you bought me that um that vampire spray yeah i've been using it every day and i do it twice shield protect defend reflect and i spray myself and spencer walked in while i was doing the other day and he's like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and i was like i'm protecting against the energy vampires so you can fuck right off. And I think in that moment, he was an energy vampire. Oh, yeah. And it I sounds like he it. he turned around and walked right out. Speaking of energy vampires, so we're one episode behind on what, what we do in the shadows. shadows. <laughs> the episode with Colin Robinson and Vanessa Bear's character. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. I love that show it's so much. It's so good.